One nothing raised the pitch. Swing and a high fly ball. Deep right center field. Siri at the wall. And it's gone. Mitchell looks for 70. <laughs> a sight to behold. He can't stop smiling, Brad. He was playing just fantastic <laughs> basketball. Here it comes. A swing and a liner back up the middle base hit into center. Here comes Quan. Here comes Rosario. The Guardians win. Are you ready? For the We Like Sports podcast, stay tuned and hear the latest on what the crew has to say regarding the latest sports topics nationally and locally. Make sure to check out WeLikeSportsPC.com and to subscribe on all podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at WeLikeSportsPC. Welcome once again to the We Like Sports Podcast. At this time, it's at Eden Columbus on Twitter. If you don't follow him, he could throw his hands up in a sign and you could end up following him that way as well. And it's Peyton Vince of the We Like Sports Podcast. Plenty more to end up joining us. Maybe they won't. Who knows? Just the way things go usually with this podcast. But anyways, nevertheless, plenty to talk about today. We're live from 530 to 630 tonight. We Like Sports Podcast. Also, keep an eye on our website, too. We are making a small change. Right now, it's welikesportspc.com.wordpress.com. That'll be changed within the next, like, 48 hours or so. So stay tuned if you're following the website. Stay tuned on our Twitter at We Like Sports PC. Yeah, We Like Sports with the Z PC. I had to think about that. That's my way of always remembering it. But, Ed, how are you doing? Doing real well. I got, got on my, my Brown stuff today because, uh, obviously, the passing of the late, great Jim Brown, 87 years old, uh, went to go be with the Lord. But, you know, I, I see a lot of stuff going on. I saw the New York Times. I saw ESPN. And I just want to say, when somebody passes away, the first thing you don't have to do is put all the bad things that he's done in his life. And there's a time and place for that. But uh, Jim Brown on the football field, I think he's the greatest football player of all time. I think he's obviously the greatest Cleveland Brown of all time. And it's, it's sad for the city of Cleveland because he was such a great ambassador to Cleveland, you know, watching him in the finals with LeBron and, you know, LeBron bowed to him. And then they kind of the interaction that they had. I mean, legend knows legends. And then and obviously in 2016, when we won the championship in Cleveland and, and Jim Brown handed the uh, Larry O'Brien trophy over LeBron, the passing of 1964 to 2016 and the ending of the curse. So, you know, it's, it's sad to see a guy go because my parents always talked about Jim Brown and how the Browns were so great back in the day. And it, it was, you know, sad to see that he passed away, but because, because of time and everything, but uh, yeah, shout out to Jim Brown. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was definitely a harder hit than I think anybody expected for being a Browns fan or even just a fan of being any of the Ohio teams. I think that could affect Cincinnati Bengals fans as well. I mean, Jim Brown was a legend. And at this point too, I'm not saying sports are fixed, but Maybe this is the changing of the tide now. Maybe this is when the Browns win a Super Bowl for Jim Brown. Houston won it with Hurricane Harvey before. Washington Nationals won it for a reason. Boston Red Sox had the Boston bombing. There's always some kind of correlation. And I mean, I always hate to be the controversy, the conspiracy theory type person, but I wouldn't be shocked if that were to happen that way. I mean, honestly, you never know what could happen. And that would be the time that it would happen, honestly. Well, I like your script. And I hope that you talk to the people in, in New York at the NFL offices and they see that script, too, because I think it would be it would be great if, if Cleveland could at least make a, a late postseason run this year. And then, you know, obviously I saw something just before I got on the show with you. Uh, the Haslam's, they plan to honor Jim Brown in some big way. And the Haslam's, you know, the one thing since they've owned the Browns, they've always done things when it comes to celebrating things in a big way. Now, the winning on the football field is something that they need to turn around, but they've always done good by that. So I can't wait to see what they have in store for the 2023 season and obviously something commemorating uh, Mr. Jim Brown. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it's going to be some type of form of patch probably as well on the uniforms throughout the year. And I mean, they're going to be playing for an additional purpose now too, which you never know how that fuels the team. You never know how it's going to end up having that reaction. I mean, Jim Brown was always consistently when he could be at those games for any Cleveland team, whether it's the Browns, the Guardians, the Cavs. I mean, you mentioned him and LeBron. That was one of the most monumental moments probably in sports history in Cleveland. Even though LeBron's no longer in Cleveland, he's still – they're kind of a same similar – cohesive unit they're kind of just that line of symmetry and you kind of see one another 
It's just one in LeBron James deals with it on social media and Jim Brown, that wasn't an issue back then. That wasn't a thought social media. I think Jim Brown had it worse. Jim Brown had to deal with that in person, the attacks, the words in person instead of online with the tweet. And I think that makes him, Jim Brown, that much more of an influencer, that much more of just that all being person that he was overall and that activist in him. I, I couldn't have said it better myself, Peyton, because, you know, one thing about him when he was growing up, he, same with the Jackie Robinsons and everything, you know, it's the fear of the unknown. One thing about with social media and everything that we've got going on nowadays, we pretty much know what's going, the attacks that we get from the trolls and things like that. A lot of people like to say it with words, but they hide behind burner accounts. I mean, back in the day, you know, like people like Jim Brown, you know, when they go from city to city, you didn't know what you were walking into. I mean, like you said, you were dealing with people face to face and the unknown and the, and the fear from that aspect. And I think that that would uh, obviously be more, you know, intimidating than anything that we see on social media nowadays. I mean, social media can be, you know, annoying by all means, but I, I don't I don't wake up and say I check my Twitter and say, oh, I, 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 I'm going to die today or anything like that. And then and back in the day, you know, as sad as it was, and, and I'm glad this country is getting better. But, uh, you know, those athletes had to, had to overcome those fears and, and then go on the, fo on the football field or whatever field that they had to play their game on and, and, and perform. And then so, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that would be tough, you know, mentally. But Jim Brown, the consummate professional. And, uh, you know, I, I'll say one thing about this year. Um, if Kevin Stefanski ever gets away from running the ball, I think Jim Brown, he's going to see that patch and think maybe one more run with Nick Chubb. And I think that could help the Cleveland Browns out. I mean, there's always that correlation, too, of both. I, I want to say when we were doing the radio show on Friday, there's three people that are all-time with, like, most rushing yards per game. Jim Brown was, I think, number one with 102 per game. Barry Sanders was at, like, 101 or 99. And Nick Chubb was shortly behind Barry Sanders, I want to say, in the third spot, too. So he's in good company, to say the least. And it just shows how good and how great those running backs were in Jim Brown and Barry Sanders when they were active. I've always said that, you know, I, I didn't get to see Jim Brown play. I've always said I, I, I got to see Barry Sanders ruin my Thanksgiving Day in 1989 when the Lions beat the Browns 13-10. to 10. And I've never seen it, especially on turf, Barry Sanders. And it's quite ironic. He only played nine years in the league just like Jim Brown did. And, you know, you see the, the stats that Emmett Smith put up. Jim Brown basically had, you know, I'm not saying he had the same amount as Emmett because Emmett's number one, but for, for basically half the amount of carries that Emmett Smith had, you know, he averaged over 100 yards a game. Not too many people have done that. And, and it's just like, wow, I wonder what Jim Brown would have been if he would have played an extra couple of years and obviously that beef with Modell. And probably the Browns would have had like one or two Super Bowls because when he retired, you know, was getting into that Super Bowl era, if he could have hung on for another three, four years, you know, you probably had to beat Green Bay in Minnesota and the likes of Kansas City. But I, I no doubt that the Browns with their running attack could have got that done. So once again, Art Modell, uh, you know, screwed Cleveland by, uh, you know, when uh, Jim Brown was making that movie, The Dirty Dozen, and he wanted to get back. And Art told him to get back to training camp. And Jim Brown's like, well, I'll just retire then. And that's what he did. And Jim Brown always uh, marched to his own beat. And that's what makes him great and, you know, the activism and everything that he did. And it's just like you don't tell Jim Brown what to do because that's a that's a that's a man amongst boys when he was out there. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing, too, is that like I knew enough about Jim Brown, but like I forget the details from time to time that he did have his football career shortened because of Hollywood. He wanted to do other things. And I mean, the fact that you look at those statistics, you look at those numbers He's a legend in its own right, and he only had a partial football career in which the longevity of a running back now is about how long he played. Exactly. You know, another fun story about that people, you know, don't know about is that when um, Art Modell bought the Browns in 1961, he didn't like Paul Brown. They didn't get along. And, and Jim Brown didn't get along with Paul Brown either because Jim Brown was was a newer cat and, and, and Paul Brown was set in his way. So so actually from that for the first couple of years, Art and, and Jim Brown were actually together to get Paul Brown out. And, they, and then Art obviously fired Paul Brown and that made a lot of people in Cleveland upset. And then a couple of years later, they would win the championship with Blanton Colliers as, as their head coach. And. You know, and then obviously Art and, and Jim Brown had their falling out. But it was nice to see when I was growing up and, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older. I'm, I'm 43. But, you know, when Bill Belichick was in Cleveland, Art, uh, Art Modell and, and Jim Brown actually made up. And, and you look at those games from like 1991 until like 1995 when they left. Jim Brown was always on the sidelines with Bill Belichick. I'd always love to see the conversation between Belichick and Jim Brown because they were 
men a few words, but that, those had to be interesting conversations. So I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in those things. But yeah, Jim Brown was, you know, that's one thing about Jim Brown. And if you look at him too, he always was wearing a Cleveland Browns, whatever it be a hat, whether it be, I mean, he represented Cleveland to the fullest and he, he never took that away when he was in LA and doing his thing. And, and I, I appreciate him and anybody that, you know, sticks up and reps Cleveland, I'm always for. And, you know, just think that we've had the, in Cleveland, the greatest NBA player, LeBron James, the greatest football player in Jim Brown. I mean, that, that's, that's quite some good stuff right there, Peyton. Yeah, I mean, you end up wishing almost that you could have a trifecta and have three, but I mean, who knows? You could end up saying maybe in the end of seven years from now, Jose Ramirez. I was just, yep, yep, I was just, yep. So you never know. I mean, you never know, honestly. It definitely varies, but change gears for a little bit. Want to definitely give a shout out to our sponsors as well. Casey's not here. You're wearing a dress shirt. I'm wearing a t-shirt, so I'm the biggest man in the room right now, I guess. But anyways, oh, you had the sleeves rolled up. I wasn't ready for that. That makes sense now. There we go. Ed's using Titan Nutrition. You should too. TitanNutrition.net. Man, I can't speak. Let's try this again. TitanNutrition.net backslash we like sports with a Z. Get 10% off your order. Again, that's a pre-workout, protein, any kind of supplement that you need. Titan Nutrition has you covered. Definitely check out those supplements. Check out that website, TitanNutrition.net backslash we like sports. Get your 10% off, order your pre-workout, order your protein, order your supplements through them. But to change gears, we're going to go into football probably a little bit shortly. I know we hit on it early on, which is great with Jim Brown. I'm glad we at least took some time with that. But I definitely want to end up getting into baseball first, going to basketball to talk some playoffs. And then in the end, if we have time for the Browns and other NFL news that are coming out and made newsworthy, Frustrating news out of Las Vegas, in my opinion, and I'm not having the video played, but it irritates me. But if you want to see it, we like sportspc.wordpress.com. There's an article on that if you are so entitled and inclined to see that video. Anyways, nonetheless, baseball talk. Ed, what are your thoughts on the Guardians after this past weekend in New York? I mean, let's let's kind of ease our way into this. Let's play the video first of Kipnis and Lindor because that's where it all started. And then from there, we'll talk about that and then go into the Guardians versus the Mets. But Jason Kipnis on Francisco Lindor being a leader uh, being a leader on MLB with A.J. Pruszynski. I mean, very, very interesting things, as well as Lindor's answer. I didn't have, but Lindor kind of blew him off. But his wife on social media, don't you worry, she had him covered. But anyways, here's the video. All those veterans and no leadership. Oh, well, you played with Lindor. Is he a leader? I'm going to repeat it again. All those veterans and no leadership. If everybody's a veteran there, you're kind of just under the assumption that everybody's taking care of their business and going about the things the right way. But you kind of need someone to be those those bumper pins kind of on each side with people start getting out of line a little bit. It just it, it helps keep people in, in, in order and in track and focus on the same thing. Everybody gets a little comfortable because there's all veterans and you don't really have to worry about what you're doing because it's like you can do no wrong. You kind of forget that little being on edge when you're a young guy and then you're like, Oh, I don't know if a veteran saw me or I shouldn't be doing this. You lose that kind of, should I be doing the right thing mentality? I mean, the thing is, is that definitely shocked a lot of people, I guess. And it wasn't expected, especially during that time frame when Lindor and Kipnis were playing. I mean, they always ended up having each other's back back then you thought, but I mean, it goes to show what are the thoughts on if Lindor's actually a leader this past weekend with the Mets Friday night, he looked like a leader, unfortunately. I hate it, but it happened. And it just seems, at least from my perspective of being a Guardians fan, I don't like Lindor's smile anymore. I don't, it's all cockiness. It's all irritating. I don't like the individual anymore. And I'm siding with Jason Kipnis initially. And I still am right now because he ended up even saying, too, hey, I'm a man. I admitted my mistake, didn't mean my words that way, but they came out that way. I mean, baseball has a storyline finally with that, but Kipnis isn't in the league anymore, so it's kind of pointless. I I totally agree. I, you know what? I, I'll say this, okay? And I've always said this. In, in Cleveland, they always talk about the rain delay in 2016, but I always say this. Before the rain delay, it was the bottom of the ninth, and you had Kipnis, and you had Lindor up, and, and Kipnis gave it a ride. Unfortunately, he went foul, 
Yep. Lindor, I think, fouled, uh, popped out to the uh, right fielder. But here's what I always say about Lindor. If you were so great, Frankie, not, you know, you were smiling in Cleveland. You thought you were so great and everything like that. Derek Jeter would have gotten it done for the Yankees, I believe. You know, and I, Frankie, for as much as, like, you you went you went, and you got your contract, and I know you're good and you're great and all that, whatever the case may be. You ain't that great. But but here's the thing, like, you're not you're not clutch yet because, like, I, I always felt like that 2016, that was the time for Frankie Lindor to, to break out. Now, I know he hit the home run against the Yankees, the grand slam, and the one that series. Was it, that, that was it. That's his only thing that he has to accomplish. Yep, and in twenty sixteen, bottom of the bottom of the ninth game seven of the World Series, he could have done something. I know Jeter would have, and and I think that as as a, as a Cleveland fan, I get frustrated because I see all these players come to Cleveland, even the Manny Ramirez's and all that, and all, and, and 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 they leave because obviously they go for their big contract, and I I get that their, their agents are saying this, and you got to go. I, I get it. The players' union would would be mad if they didn't, but at the same time, it's like they 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 want to you know kind of take a jab at Cleveland on the way. And I thought Frankie with, you know, being lazy, calling me Frankie instead of Francisco. I, I never remembered at the time that he was in Cleveland that he ever corrected a, a reporter saying, no, call me Francisco instead of Frankie. He only said that on the way out. And it, it just seemed like you got what you wanted. You got your way out. And I don't feel like, you know, there was any need to kind of, you know, put a wedge in between your time in Cleveland and, and your new beginning in New York. Now, I don't know what the point of that was. And maybe there was more locker room drama because maybe Kipnis, you know, speaking out, you know, is only kind of reflecting and showing us, you know, hindsight 2020 of what really was going on in the locker room. And, you know, Tito, obviously, if that was the case, is a better manager than what we give him credit for. Because not only do you have to with about the wins and the losses, but like Mike Hargrove, when he was managing the, the Indians in the 90s with all the different personalities by Erga, you know, Bell and Lofton, he said that was part of it too, just the personal interactions between the players. And obviously, you know, I thought they were a cohesive unit, but maybe it wasn't as cohesive as we thought off the field. And, you know, and obviously we're seeing it played out now. So I don't know, as a, as a fan of baseball, I mean, does it spoil like my feelings of 2016? No, but I think to your point, every time I see Francisco, because I'll call, I'll be, I'll be real, I'll call him Francisco instead of Frankie. Don't be called lazy. When I see him smile, it makes me kind of want to puke a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, and his leadership, I don't know. You know, he 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 got he got the home run, he got the base hit or whatever to win it. it his leadership just playing better. I mean, yeah, for 331 million dollars. He should be a leader if that comes to that, but I don't know if he's ever going to be a a, a a a dog, a leader in in the clubhouse that like a Kipnis was, dirtbag was, and I don't know. I mean, I, I I hope the Mets don't ever win a World Series when he's there, right? And I mean, I think the most frustrating thing with me with Frankie, I'm calling him Frankie Francisco Lindor, either one, <laughs> Mister Smile. It doesn't really matter. I mean, these were so many like different changes that happened because the New York media got to him. And, I mean, he did crumble under pressure, if we realize that or not. At least once, he got through it, but he crumbled under pressure. I mean, it's just frustrating seeing him in New York. The most frustrating thing is 2019 when the World or when the All-Star game was here, and he's bragging about his city. This is Cleveland. This is my city. Welcome to my city. My city, my city, my city, my city. Welcome. <laughs> this is my place. Frankie lives here. Blah, blah, blah. This is awesome. It's the national spotlight, though, that he wanted in reality. It's not the fact that it was Cleveland. It was the spotlight's on me. I'm 25, 26. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And that's what it turned into. And I think after a while, you see the smug smile on his face, like his reply back to Kipnis. And that's why people from Cleveland aren't a fan of Lindor anymore. Because in the end, was that smile in Cleveland? Was that genuine? Or was it actually just, hey, I got to smile because the spotlight's on me here. But in New York, I'll smile. But it's actually more meant because I'm happy in this scenario. I'm in New York. I'm on the spotlight. I have all these things going on now. It's great. I'm actually happy. That's the way it comes off now when he's in New York and he's still having that Mr. Smile mentality. Maybe. Maybe maybe just a thought, Peyton. Maybe it was Kipnis that woke Lindor up from his nap during game seven of the world series and he's not gotten over that yet maybe there's some beef from the falling out from that because you know what type of leader takes a nap when you got a rain delay in game seven of the world series like i know i mean every athlete's different but 
I don't know if I'd ever come out and admit that. Like, oh, I was, especially if the team lost. It'd be different if the team won. Oh, yeah, by the way, I took a nap, uh, woke up, played a half inning, we won the World Series. I don't think afterwards, after, you know, the city of Cleveland is, you know, still spent since 1948, we're reeling after blowing a 3-1 lead. I mean, it hurts to lose to the lovable loser Cubs. And now we got the longest drought. And, and Frankie's like, yeah, I took a nap, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like. I don't know if that was exactly the from a PR standpoint. That's the way, and maybe some people took offense to that. And like I said, and then Kipnis, you know the way he played, and you know they don't call him dirtbag for nothing. Maybe he didn't like it. I don't know. I mean, it just seems kind of odd that he was kind of so like eh, nonchalant about it. It's just who he is, though. It comes to be that way. That's who Frankie Lindor is, Francisco Lindor. But instead, enough about Francisco Lindor <laughs> temporarily. How about we invite a new guy in? His name's Riggs. What's going on, Riggs? We're talking about uh, Kipnis and Lindor and the Guardians and the New York Mets. So I guess this is the question for the group and what we've been waiting for. After having the Mets for three games, a doubleheader on Sunday, a one-run high-scoring game loss on Friday – how do we feel about the Guardians right now? I mean, it's looking rough up and down throughout consistently. And I know it's not June yet, but still, we're under 500 right now. And I feel like it's a little concerning right now if you're a baseball fan, especially a Guardians fan. Yeah, just like what me and you uh, spoke about at the gym when I when I looked at their record. And I was just like, man, come on, guys, get it together. Like, you're exactly right, Peyton. It's not June, but our expectations are a little bit high. For the guardians and I, and I honestly i think we're entitled to that you know what i'm saying you know like so it's just they need to put their foot on the gas and they need to figure it out as soon as possible at least before the all-star break gotta get above 500 500 baseball to me it just seems average you know like you know i know i'm not a professional athlete myself speaking on those terms i'm not out there actually physically playing the game i don't know what those guys are going through but just when i just see 500 it just it just looks boring. It's just like you're not even trying, or it's just boring baseball or a boring baseball club to me. Or something's happening in the locker room or someone's toxic. It's like golf. If you're under par, you wanna be under par, but like that par, that seventy-two that you're hitting, if you're above it, you're subpar, literally. Like it's the opposite, like a bad thing anywhere else outside of golf. And that's the way if you're under five hundred you seem like you're subpar, but in reality, if we're talking golf terms, you're definitely over par right now, and it's not good, and you're probably going to be cut by Saturday. Well, well I, I just got to say that welcome, Riggs. You know, I, I want everybody to know that, you know, Riggs and I, we are part of the bloodline. I know people don't know that, but that's the one thing. We are part of the bloodline. We the and, ones. Uh, yes. And, and the only thing I'm going to say about the, the Guardians is, the way they're losing, you know, they don't score any runs. Okay, so they lose 2 nothing. Okay, fine. We, we're used to that. But when they do score runs like they did Friday night, nine runs, that's still not enough because the closers come in and blow that. And then, you know, on, on Saturday, you know, or I mean Sunday, the first game, you know, when they come back and, you know, take the lead, well, they give it right away because the closers, it's like no matter what they do, it, it, it seems like they find a new problem and a new way to lose. And I think that now the losing, it's becoming, you know, um, infectious with this team and and we got to just put it we, we playing the white Sox. we got to go out and win two, at least two out of three we got to start winning series again and i think that's what tito and that's one thing i think tito will turn it around i i tweeted this out today which obviously nobody really liked it because nobody wants to hear this but we are only four games back from the loss column and i know as we get closer and closer people don't want to hear that but still this division's horrible and i still yep. think we have talent on this team they're just everybody's playing bad at the same time and it just seems like there's no hope. But if one or two guys like Karen Check or Klasse, if they just turn it around in one week, that, that would help. If one or two more hitters get hot, it's, it's, it's fixable. But right now, everybody's playing so bad, it just seems like impossible to fix. But I think Tito's the right man for, you know, to get this thing fixed. He's done it before. And, and God, I hope he does it again because we need it. Love me some Tito. Um, I don't know if you uh, elaborated on this last week on the show, Peyton, about uh, – you driving around and, you know, seeing a man on an electric scooter. Yeah, did I mention that? that you, I saw did you did okay. mention it, but, but you know what? It's such a great story. If you want to dive back, delve back into it, go ahead. Oh, I just saw a bald man on a scooter. I didn't see him this week, too, because, I mean, they're what? They're playing at 6.15 here shortly, so hopefully it's a better result with the Guardians. Uh, I did want to end up hitting on one thing, too, because, Ed, you ended up writing an article on it as well, too. We're talking about the Yankees still, and they just seem to be in trouble more and more often. We're talking one New York team, the Mets, to the Yankees. 
Here's the video of the latest substance check and an ejection finally happening for once. So a change up for the Yankees. But I mean, this is the third time now that they've been caught. A little ridiculous. But here's the video. They checked his hand. All four umpires now talking with Aaron Boone. And Herman, who's been perfect through three, was just thrown out of the game for obviously something on his hand that they did not think was uh, was allowable. When he was coming out of the dugout, he was stopped by an umpire to check going into the game. Usually it's going out of the game. And they checked. All four umpires came and checked. And they ended up throwing him out. Checking his hand, checking the glove. They've already got his glove. You can see it right there. There's trouble brewing. Now they're going to consult and make a collective decision. The problem is, it's sort of like getting audited by the IRS. Once they're once they open your file, they're going to keep checking you, and that's what Domingo Armand has already had one issue that's been well publicized. So that's why they checked him coming out from the dugout because there's a history here. But this has ramifications, David, because as with Max Scherzer, you get thrown out of the game, you are then suspended for the next 10 games. I feel like there's a lot of leniency with that rule, though, honestly. I mean, you ended up having even in his back pocket, you see a little bit of a brown uh, <laughs> mark by his back pocket near his ass. I mean, unless if he's a grown man not taking care of business, why is that there? Why is that, that was, there? I loved what he said. It's like, you know, the IRS audit, you know, once they open up your file, they're going to keep checking on you because it's like you're already a repeat offender. And I'm sorry, as a sports fan, I'm going to be very biased right now against the evil empire. Doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, I can understand greatness when it comes to players on the Yankees and that organization. But just, I don't know, the second I know it's a Yankees player, like, it's just like, huh, okay, tell me something I didn't know. What else is new scenario almost? <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, I'm shocked, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. That's just. Mm -mm. They got to keep up with the Astros. They, they see them cheating and winning. So the Yankees are like, well, we got to do our own thing now. Well, like, the thing is, too, is, like, to even take it a step further now, too, I don't know, like, this just hit me now. You ended up last week, I think it was on Tuesday, so or Monday night. This has literally been a week's worth of the Yankees cheating because you had Aaron Judge magically – Man, that timing, too. That banner just <laughs> popped up, too. That was great. <laughs> Anyways, Riggs flexed that for the non-camera audience, so make sure to go to tightnutrition.net backslash we like sports. Get 10% off. That's exactly why, for the non-camera audience, Riggs did that. That triggered a promo, actually. But anyways. Um, I forgot I was on camera for that split second because we worked out earlier, and I was feeling my pump. But keep going. <laughs> But anyways, though, you had Aaron Judge look back at the dugout, but it turned out to be that that was because Aaron Boone got ejected with the Blue Jays series. That was very tense. You ended up having that possibly cheating, looking down at the catcher's sides, pitch cam, whatever it may be. You have, I think there's two different Yankees pitchers that ended up getting checked for substance, foreign substances on their, on their person. I mean, it's just the Yankees, though. Are we shocked? Like, that was, I guess, like – where do you go from there? Do the, does the Yankees, the IRS file, continue to end up being checked? Or is there a lot of leniency, too? Because German should have been suspended a long time ago. This is the second time. The last time they told him to wash his hands. I think there's another Yankees player that got told, wash your hands and go back out on the field. What the hell? Why is that allowed? It's, That's not yeah. in the rules, right? They draw people. It's the Yankees. They draw. You know what's going to happen too. The Yankees are going to, you know, keep getting warned. Keep go, go wash your hands. Keep doing this, and then as soon as another team does it, they're going to get ejected, ten game suspension, and then the, the Major League Baseball is going to say, well, you know, you you know, it's happened a lot, and it's all basically been the Yankees twenty times getting caught, and then as soon as another team does something, they're going to be the ones that get their pitcher, you know, ejected, and then. 10 game suspension and it's like the Yankees are just buying up all this okay like a parent you know disciplining what the first one kid and you know and they don't really get in trouble and then the other kid does it and then, then you know they th they throw the book at them and it just seems like it's unfair but you know I, I don't know I mean if you're the Yankees and, and you're not really getting disciplined I mean I, I don't know I mean 
Why, why would you stop your behavior up at, to this point? Because they're in a dogfight. You look at Tampa and how much they're running away with that AL East. And maybe they're thinking, you know, I got three or four teams, not only Tampa, but, you know, Baltimore ain't going away. Toronto's not going away. And, you know, obviously that pitching staff besides Garrett Cole, I mean, they got some some good arms, but I wouldn't say there's you know, any bona fide, you know, oh, this guy's going to go out and dominate. So they're looking for an unfair advantage. And, I mean, they always say if you're not cheating, you're not trying. But as a Major League Baseball fan i'm, I'm kind of getting sick of it because it's it's just, like you said it's the same team it's yeah so it's, it's the yankees it's the same old defenders and it's a team like you know the guardians who's struggling right now the last thing i want to see is the yankees exactly cheating that's not that's not uh, my you know personal best things to see just a slap on the wrist though in the end that's all you get yankees astros i feel like definitely and i'm going to be that guy for a second and i'm going to be that guy temporarily but if it happened to cleveland james Karinchek didn't get away with it so I mean, come on, gone, gone. Let's let's be real here and call what the Yankees are. In the end of the day, but anyways, though, last thing I don't want to talk about the Yankees because I feel like that's just a rabbit hole we could go down and just talk and talk and talk and just make fun of and just shame over and over again. But this isn't the We Shame Yankees podcast. This is the We Like Sports podcast, <laughs> different podcast. But I wanted to end up hitting on baseball attendance. CJ, who's probably not going to make it in today, but he ended up tagging me in this. It's a great statistic. This weekend, attendance for MLB was I one million five hundred eighteen thousand and sixteen was the best weekend attendance across the MLB in April or May in more than six years now. Is this a sign at this point the rule change is working because people are going to ball games? I mean, what are your guys <clears throat> change it up and head over I to football? I think that could possibly play a little bit of a favor into it. You know, you got you got the fathers out there trying to get their sons or nephews into, you know, the uh, America's greatest pastime. And like, you know, I don't want to harp on it too much. Some of this younger generation, their attention span is very short. So, you know, maybe bringing the kids out to the ballpark for the last couple months. Hell, yeah, I think it's done uh, some greatness for the MLB. And maybe that rule change have done some some positive for this you know they need the who doesn't want the attendance who doesn't want that money and that revenue so i mean kudos to the mlb for i guess figuring it out for now you know so i don't think they'll tell us their secret like yeah it was this the whole time haha we got you you know so that's just my opinion on that situation I, I, you know, sometimes unintended consequences, like I can't say there's a direct correlation because I don't know if there's enough data or whatever, but I mean, anytime that you can go somewhere with your kids, especially for your family and know that something's going to be, you know, two and a half hours, not nothing too long, you know, before it was, you know, three hours, maybe four hours, depending, and, and you don't know. But with this, you have a little bit more of a, a time, a window that you can block off and you know that pretty much, you know, games are a certain amount of time. I think that that obviously helps with with planning, especially, you know, the soccer moms out there that love their schedules and this, this and that, you know. And also the weather's been nice. And I think one thing about baseball, too, like in, in this in this country is like I think things go through through spurts. You look at the NBA playoffs. I know we'll, we'll get into that. But, you know, there's not a dominant team in Major League Baseball right now. I mean, there's a lot of these teams. You know they're still in it right now, especially with good weather. You want to take you know, go to the ballpark once or twice a year. Why not go now when your team's not out of it per se? And then you know it's spring and, and spring has sprung and it's getting close to summer. Kids will be out of school, so this was the perfect weekend to have the highest attendance in six years. I mean, it's a great sign. I mean, it just goes to show you, even if you don't like the rules, the pitch clock. Good idea. When those games, I mean, look at Sunday Night Baseball. You had the Mets and the Guardians on Sunday Night Baseball. I think they were done by 9.30. Yep. So, in reality, that's an ESPN game that could go to 10, 10.30, 11 o'clock at times. And now you ended up getting out of there early. I'm not against it. And more and more, I hear people that aren't against it either. So, I mean, it's just goes to show you that the facts are there and it's working out for the right way. But last thing I want to hit on for baseball, which is mind-blowing, Oscar Mercado against the Dodgers yesterday went three for three. His last at bat, he got out, but he went three for three with five RBIs. And his batting average as of right now, probably very minimal games, but 545 is his batting average. In, in five games. So that one game obviously helps his cause a little bit, but how does that feel as a Guardians fan that – you parted ways with him, but he wasn't that good to begin with. But, I mean, at this point, it's – you can't do anything about it. 
it uh it, it seems like it's phony baloney and what's that song my my baloney has the first name it's o-s-c-a-r oscars and i it, hate baloney i i don't know i don't think it's gonna last long but you know and then i see owen miller got yeah, tweeted out from milwaukee he's he's blowing up too right now so i mean it's just luke adding Mayley salt too. to the wounds yeah. luke mailey don't look at how many home runs he's hitting right now because right now he's at three which is more than any guardians catcher right now austin hedges i haven't kept up with but if we're going to talk about all these guardians players though it's just just gonna cause trouble all these former ones because in a year they could be out of the league look at bradley zimmer too as well it changes all the time but again Last but not least, shout out to baseball for actually figuring it out and getting the most fan attendance since 2017. It's been a long time. So shout out to the MLB for figuring that out. But before we end up heading into football, I want to give a shout out to the Snooze You Lose podcast, Uncle Joe the Black Bookie, at the Black Bookie on Twitter. Every Sunday, for the most part, Snooze You Lose podcast, pick of the week. We like sportspc.com. The Black Bookie, Uncle Joe, has you covered. He'll have you for the lock of the week. And again, stay tuned to the website. If it's not we like sportspc.com, just go to we like sportspc.wordpress.com. We'll change up right now, but again, 48 hours, that'll be changed up. Again, shout out to Uncle Joe, the Black Bookie, and this news you podcast. What's up? It's your boy, Uncle Joe, the Black Bookie. Don't go anywhere as you're listening to the We Like Sports podcast. Once the show is over, tune in and subscribe to the Snooze You Lose podcast, available on all streaming platforms. Our show is a sports and a sports betting podcast where the motto is and always will be win together, lose together. So tune in and like I always say, Snooze You Lose. What's going on, We Like Sports Podcast fans? We wanted to take the time to tell you about our great friends at Sidelines Sports Bar and Grill. Sidelines is known to have the best wings in the Cleveland area, with over 30 different wing flavors, including our favorite, the Spicy Honey Blast. Sidelines also has their steak special every Wednesday, all day, for only $9. You get a perfect 8-on strip steak, served with your choice of a baked potato or fries, with a side salad with the dressing of your choice. This great deal is for dining only. Stop in to see our friends at Sideline Sports Bar and Grill at 1165 Pearl Road in Brunswick, Ohio. Again, that's 1165 Pearl Road in Brunswick, Ohio. Or give them a call for takeout at 330-220-0888. 330-220-0888. Sideline Sports Bar and Grill for nights you never remember, but the friends you'll never forget. Heading over to football, though, Riggs, we ended up already hitting it earlier on in the show, but I want you to end up having some attention for it as well. I'm sure you want to talk about Jim Brown just as much as I and I talked about Jim Brown to start the show. Man, <clears throat> as a someone, okay, how can I put this? Besides the, the Cleveland Browns organization, I just wanted to say that, like, you know, rest in peace, rest in power to a great man. Besides his contributions to the football field, I've grown up and I was told from family members that he had done, he was an African-American activist and, I've had family members that have met him. He was also in movies. Um, it just sucks because, you know, as someone who really doesn't watch the Cleveland Browns anymore because I, you know, lost my mind, um, one day there's a possibility I will wear orange and brown again on Sundays. But as of right now for these next few years, I can't. But I, in my honest opinion, I think he's one of the best to ever run with the damn ball in his hand. I think he's one of the toughest. I think he was one of the absolute like meanness on the field like it's just that organization the cleveland browns they lost a spirit they lost you know their heart they lost they don't have a logo on their helmet if if, if there was a logo on their helmet it would be jim brown probably so you know i feel like that organization has took a big loss in that franchise because they how many times have, have we seen jim brown at training camps talking to people like your trent richardson's and Brian Hartlines, et cetera. Anyone that was on that field, you know, when that man spoke to them, they listened. It was out of respect. And I, I don't know, man, it, it sucks. You know, I hope the Cleveland Browns as the organization and the football players on that team, I hope they play their asses off. It would be nice if, you know, the story, you know, kind of completed if they do make a good playoff team or whatever the hell happens. But, you know, rest in peace, rest in power to a man named Jim Brown, you know, salute. Absolutely. Nice. I mean, you couldn't have said it any better than, I mean, all combined with us, we ended up having enough time on Jim Brown, too, that Heyman LeBron, another thing for perspective-wise, 
similar guy, just different eras. You have Jim Brown that didn't have the social media era and he had the words to his face. The same thing that LeBron's going through, the F you, the, you know what, go jump in a hole kind of idea. LeBron's getting tweeted that, but that's through social media. Jim Brown as a person didn't have social media. He had words in person and words always hurt more than a social media posting. And I think that's why you have a similarity with the both of them, but both good on both of them for being an activist, being able to stick up for your beliefs. That's huge. But to not have social media and to deal with words on a daily or in just a public place compared to getting a tweet from a burner account, that burner account, I'd rather end up having tweets from and tweets at me about instead of just, okay, you, you're just a giant piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. Those words end up like they just weigh on you more and more as time goes on. That's the correlation between the two of them make very interesting points. It's, it's funny that you say that because I, I'm pretty sure if this is Jim Brown that said this, someone out there can even quote me on this. I'm pretty sure I heard a story that Jim Brown said that they were getting ready to play a game and they were leaving the visiting hotel and they had a marching band and they were playing this song like Pete's, basically like your funeral march. Dun, dun, dun. Like, OK, oh, you guys man. are about to go on this bus and you're about to go get slaughtered. And I guess like Jim Brown took that personally is like hey okay we're gonna out there and we're about to, we're about to rip their faces off <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's a jim brown story if someone else wants to go and look up that go for it but i would definitely look that up it's funny how we just talk about that and how words can hurt especially if you don't have social media how you were just talking about that so it's just that's crazy i'm i'm, I'm pretty confident now. that's a jim brown story i'm gonna have to look that up but that's all, it all goes to sports and it goes to mind games, though. In the end, you have to end up – if you don't have a strong mentality, a strong mental game – I mean, Marshawn Lynch always said it best. And he I ended Skittles, up bringing up – not only does he eat Skittles, but he always brought up his mental. His mental, his mental, his mental. His mentality, if you get into somebody's head, your mental is all screwed up. You can't get somebody to – even as simple as taps being played as you walk out of the hotel – you can't let that get in your head. You have to end up answering and you have to respond and you have to end up moving forward because if you let that get in your head and you're like, oh, well, then we're actually right. We're down by seven right now. That tap song mm-hmm. that I heard on my way out, why did, Why is it true? Because I'm allowing that to be true. You have to end up being the better person, the better individual to end up going back to that hotel that night and, or just letting them at that hotel know if you don't visit again, hey, we beat them. Where's your taps at now? Shove that right back in your mm-hmm. face. So be it. It's that's always been the way of sports. It's that in your face mentality. And dealing with that and having social media, you have your trash talking now. I mean, high school athletes even. I'm sure they deal with it. That was a thing when I was in high school. You're tweeting back and, po- and forth to the opposing players from these certain schools that you're rivals against. You ended up getting in trouble from it from time to time because that's high school. You got to be careful with your words, but words end up having on social media that trash talking that made it more fun. But in person, you can't end up describing that unless if you're there in the moment and social media technology's changed. It's not going back to that. But that era, there's still people that still had to live through that, which is mind blowing. And that comprehension of not having that to somebody that's in his late 20s. Somebody that's even in his 30s or 40s, even I could probably say the same thing. There was still some form of technology. There was some form of computer throughout your life. There's an era that never had that whatsoever, and that was brand new. So all the adjustments that Jim Brown had to end up living for as well and living through, not only just the public presentation of himself, but so much has changed in his lifetime as well, if you break it down from that perspective. But again, though, shout out to Jim Brown. Great individual, hell of a Browns player, hell of an influencer, activist for the Browns as well. Who knows what the future holds for the Browns? And that's coming from a Steelers fan. I'm not going to be a, I'm not going to be that guy here. I'm not going to be the Steelers guy in the room to end up talking about ill of Jim Brown because it's not right to begin with. I'm not the New York Post like Ed Columbus said. Yep. But anyways, though, I wanted to hit on this from the NFL perspective, and I think that's about it. Again, I said it, Henry Ruggs. That video surfaced on Twitter. If you want to see the video. It's on our website, wheelixsportspc.com or wheelixsportspc.wordpress.com. Check it out. It's Henry Ruggs Development. If you want to see that, so being client, or it's at wheelixsportspc on our Twitter, I'm sure, as well. But I wanted to talk about Urban Meyer having the news come out 
or at least from the Twitter account I saw it from, and I'm sure it's true just because Urban Meyer didn't last long as a head coach for Ohio State, but he said a variety of different things to Joe Burrow, including that he throws like a girl and he'll never be better than a Division II quarterback. Well, Herb, guess what? He's a little bit better than a Division II quarterback. Well, as, as somebody close to the situation, obviously, uh, living in Columbus with proximity to the Ohio State University, you know, the one thing we love about Urban Meyer is the 7-0 and record against the team up north. But when it comes to a lot of his uh, evaluations of players and a lot of his behavior off the field, we're not so keen on one Urban Meyer. And you, know, you say what you want about Ryan Day the last two years against the team up north. We're not happy with the results. But as a man... I can say that, you know, he exemplifies all of the qualities that you would want for somebody that represents the Ohio State University. And it's not shocking, though, to Urban Meyer when he was at Jacksonville, how he treated his players and some of the things that he would say, like to the kicker. I remember one time, you know, he kind of got into it with them. And it's just bizarre behavior. All right. Well, we'll wait until Ed ends up getting back into a normal uh, universe and out of the Twilight Zone. But, I mean, he hit it right on the head, though, with Urban Meyer. So many people just – it was through it. I mean, he was a good coach just in the wrong era. I guess that kind of goes with the subject of today's show. It's just the fact that you end up having this hard-nosed football-playing coach, football players, no social media. It's just like that generational gap. He didn't connect with those kids after a certain way. When he was with Chris Leak, Tim Tebow, and the Gators in 2007, 2008, it fit fit a little bit with his early days with Ohio State, but he's not there for a reason in the end. And, I mean, it just makes sense. But. Yeah. Yeah. I just Some people just need to know when to pass the torch or just know when to, hey, okay, I'm Urban Meyer. I might be a great NFL coach, but, hey, let me learn under somebody right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's say, Peyton, you're an NFL coach and I'm coming from college. I'm confident in my abilities, but, hey, for a couple of years, let me ride out and be this guy's assistant. And then whenever there's a job that opens up, then hell yeah, I'll interview for it. Because one, I don't want to go in there and waste my time and waste some organization time. But at the end of the day, those guys are getting paid. So, you know, they don't give a damn, you know, so they'll they'll take whatever job. I'm just saying from if 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 it was me, you know, like that's just how I would look at the situation. And Eddie, before you ended up cutting out, you were talking about Urban Meyer and the way he was in Jacksonville and the kicker, and we didn't hear anything else from there. Okay, yeah, like I said, like, you know, the, the things that he said about the kicker, it's it it doesn't befuddle me at all that he would say these things about Joe Burrow and some of the things that he, he has, as everybody knows, Urban Meyer has an ego, and some of the things, he's very harsh when he, he thinks he's right, and he, he Instead of actually like trying to mitigate a situation or, or work things out, it's his way or the highway, and it just doesn't work anymore. And I think that he actually tried to take my Wi-Fi down because, you know, one thing, if you talk anything about the Ohio State University in a negative way, that, that they will shut you down. So I, I better keep And you're local, too. <laughs> and you're local, too. That doesn't help anything. Yeah, they got me. They got me. on. They've been, they've, I think they're outside. I, I've been watching a car go by, and I got to, you know, make sure Explain it's not. how you got cut out, then. That definitely makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I understand it now. That just I'm, not, hey, I'm not the biggest Urban Meyer fan. I never have been. I, I you know, I, I appreciate the national championship that he got us, but you know, to me, he's like a Nick said, he's a bully. And some of the things that he says, like, I would never tell, you know, a recruiter or whatever that he throws like a girl. Like, I, I, I think some of the harsh, like, he was a, a kid that won a state championship at Athens or finished runner up at six touchdowns. The kid never threw like a girl. And I, I, I think for him to say that, and it's, it's kind of like the Bobby Knights and the, the Woody Hayes, that, that kind of mentality, it doesn't work anymore. And, and if you think that you're going to try to win over people by talking like that, you're just going to get them, obviously, to go somewhere else and become great. And that's what Joe Burrow did. And, you know, as a Browns fan, it pains me to see him in a bang uniform but he, he's he's a good guy and he does a lot of good things for southeast ohio and um yeah he does not throw like a girl <laughs> and i mean the thing is, too, no, is not at all. the irritating part that i got from that was the fact that fans were like well he did it for motivation i mean there's a way to end up motivating your players but there's also a way to be a crap bag yeah and that's what you are he's a jerk the- he's just a straight up jerk 
and you saw what he did at the club with that. Uh, I don't even want to get into it, yep. but obviously the, the thing in sight, you know, anybody that would act like that or, you know, his, and his response to after that was kind of crass too. Like he didn't even want to take the personal accountability. You do something wrong, say it's my fault, but he's, it's always somebody else's fault with Urban Meyer, always. Well, changing gears though, enough about Urban Meyer, enough about football. I mean, that was just something I wanted to hit on because it's perfect and it makes sense and Joe Burrow did enough to prove him wrong. <laughs> but last segment of the show, last 10 minutes, 12 minutes or so, basketball time, NBA playoffs. Right now it's 3-0 each side. Miami Heat 3-0 over Boston. The Nuggets over the Lakers 3-0. The NBA Finals don't start until June 1st. I mentioned that to Riggs. Game four is tonight for the Lakers in Denver, and I think Miami and Boston is tomorrow. You have a week and a half off of basketball, possibly. Very interesting if that does happen. It is the NBA afterwards. If sports is fixed, and I'm going to be on my conspiracy train, there's going to be a couple more games in there in between, just because if there is, that proves our point. But regardless, though, is it time with Boston being down 3-0 right now, is it time for Boston to blow up the team? Is that same team going to end up remaining there next year when you have guys like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown? You have a lot of talent. Marcus Smart, Peyton Pritchard, Al Horford, Robert Williams. You have so many guys. I don't think Robert Williams is still there. But anyways, regardless, there's so many guys on that team, though. Boston, I think it's time to look elsewhere. It's time to blow it up. If it didn't work for the Cavs a couple times, like, look at us. We ended up doing it. Boston's been around the same core for a while. What are your guys' thoughts? I don't know if that's just the <clears throat> traditional Boston Celtics way, or I don't know if there's, like, Red Arenbark himself will, you know, like, curse someone. Like, no, you have to <laughs> keep that core foundation. But once again, the playoff, what we said the last time, you know, like, it's new, you know, new coach, different generation. You know, you can't really – your style doesn't mesh with this new time. So if I'm Boston, the people that I had in that, like, my starting five, that core, if I had you more than like three to four years and you've made no process and we keep getting stuck in a certain round in the playoffs, then I'm going to have to just, you know, kiss you goodbye. You know, it's a business at the end of the day. And as old as that franchise is, I know they want to win. You know, like it's Boston is title town, they say. So when was the last time the Celtics brought one home? You know, I'm, I don't I'm not from there, never been there. So I don't know if there's any sort of pressure on any type of coach that goes there to bring home a championship. But I don't know. Boston's got to figure something out. They need a fresh new five, maybe. At least maybe move a couple pieces. Maybe not blow them up completely, but just, hey, exchange maybe a couple players and then tell some other people, like, hey, if you don't work out by this time, you're trade bait. Or just use someone as trade bait. You know, it, it, it's a business. I mean, you have Sucks, two starters it's a right business. now. With Boston, you have Jalen Brown, you have Jason Tatum. The Cavs have two stars. Now, that's Donald a good Mitchell, Darius Garland. You need a one-two combo, too. Yeah, but in the end, though, Donovan Mitchell Sorry. has to get paid. Somebody's not going to get paid out of those two. And it's going to be Darius Garland if you keep them. Kind of the same scenario in Boston now. You could have a great one-two, but in the end, financially, you got to figure out how to pay one-two. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, to answer your question, right, 2008 was her last title. I mean, they lost to Golden State right. what, last year in the, in the final. So it's not like they haven't been there or been very close. I, like I said, I don't know about a, a complete blow up. But just like with the Cavs, I mean, these teams mm. get to a certain point where you're going to win, you know, your 50 to 60 games and, and you're going to make it to your second the Eastern Conference finals every year. And, and if you're content with that, to, to be a championship team, as we found out in Cleveland, even when you have LeBron and Kyrie, that doesn't even guarantee at all because, you know, you got to play the other champion in the other conference. And, and we found out that we ran into Golden State. So even if Boston figures it out and say they're the team that goes to the finals, you know, two out of the next three years, that doesn't guarantee you a championship because the Denver Nuggets lurk and they're pretty good and a well-rounded team so i think boston what they're gonna have to do you have to look at teams like denver you have to even look at teams like M miami and how they get it done it's 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 coaching miami does it with coaching look at spolstra you know he's winning with undrafted players i know jimmy butler's a dog but it's basically jimmy butler and and, and, and you know it, it's amazing that what they're doing and they're beating this boston team who i felt like they were a better coach last year and maybe like i said i know joe Missoula or whatever like that maybe he's not the guy and maybe it is a coaching thing you look at cleveland 
You know, I, I hate to be the JB hater, but, you know, there's other coaches out there like Nick Nurse and, and the, the guy that from Milwaukee that lost. Maybe with the right system and that the, the, maybe Cleveland gets to the Eastern Conference Finals because, you know, a lot of people, well, Donovan Mitchell didn't have a great series against the Knicks. And, yeah, a lot of them didn't have. And, but maybe the fact that Evan Mobley and, and Jared Allen, maybe they're not used properly. Maybe with a different coach, you know, you get the, you'll get the dog out of them. And I, I think even Cleveland's standpoint is the same as Boston's. If you're content with, with – where you're at, that's fine. But I'm with you, Riggs. You got to tinker with it. You know, obviously Jalen Brown. I, I've heard talk with him. Maybe trade him. You know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a lateral trade where it's 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 Donovan Mitchell. It's it's, it's Jalen Brown. It's, it's it's pieces and parts that maybe you'd look at it like, well, what are you really getting differently? But sometimes playing with somebody different, maybe in Jason Tatum's case, will help him become more of a dog because some some of the knock on him is you know he shows up for some games, but he's not a dog in all games. So I don't know. I I think it still matters. Look at look at Kyrie and LeBron. They made it work, and that's kind of sad that it ended the way that it did. But you know, maybe Kyrie and Tatum. I, I don't know. I, I just think that something needs to be done, and I don't think it's a lack of talent is why they're not moving on. But maybe it's a lack of cohesion. It's a lack of coaching. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing is, though, is with coaching, there's so much you could do, and there's so many available. And right now, if you're looking at the Cavs' perspective, and this is something in the future, and one of the shows we have to end up hitting on, it's the NBA coaching carousel in the end, because <laughs> even JB Bickerstaff somehow has a spot with the team. But teams that have won an NBA championship are firing their head coach. The Suns are firing their head coach. Nick Nurse is out there. There's so many talented coaches out there, and you have such a short string that you're on. I mean, there's only so much you could do, and the fact that J.B. Bickerstaff still has the job, that's kind of the mind-blowing part because other ones that are successful aren't even remaining there. It's just the NBA right now. That's where you're at. Uh, Two more things to hit on today. First one, quick thoughts. Want to get this. James Harden's shopping himself, I guess you could say. He wants a four-year, $200 million contract to miss shots for the next team he plays for. What are your guys' thoughts? No. If I'm the team, yeah, I mean, yeah, because if I – no, damn. You can't say that because he's trying to go to a new team. I was going to say, like, what have you done for me lately? It's more what have you done for yourself lately as in stats, you know, or what can you do for this team? You know, he's like, why, why should I? He's a great choker in the playoffs. He's very talented mm-hmm. in the regular season. He misses a ton of shots when it comes to the playoffs. In a game seven against Boston, he could show you what not to do. Uh, <laughs> what team wants him? Anybody? Anyone? No? Okay. Mm-hmm. He's going back to Houston, though, probably. And Casey and I said it one time before, Houston has a lot of attitude issues. Bring in a vet, maybe so be it. But have fun because it sounds like it's not fun in Houston when you have a bunch of kids that think they know what they're doing in their early 20s. It's not a fun environment. John Wall got out of it for a reason. It reminded me of the Cavs before LeBron with the rum rim Ricky Davis and uh, Darius Miles and all that, Quentin Richards. It it just reminded me of that. you got a bunch of young kids that think they know what's going on with attitude problems. And, you know, thank God we got LeBron and won that lottery because, wow, things could have got ugly. Riggs, were you going to end up saying something? I I, I forgot. (laughs) Well, anyways, this one will make Riggs talk. I know for a fact it will. Anyways, last topic of the day, last four or five minutes or so. And again, make sure to listen to us tomorrow morning, Tuesday, 8 a.m., Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, any podcasting platform. We like sportspc.com. We like sports PC on Twitter. Stay tuned. The website portion is going to be a little bit heavier, so to speak, now because schedule is going to get crazy here. Next Monday, not going to have a show on any time whatsoever. So stay tuned to our social media. Stay tuned on our Facebook as well. We're not going anywhere. It's just going to be a little bit of a bumpy ride, so to speak, with all these speed bumps in the way. But stay tuned on all social media. We're going to figure it out. It is the We Like Sports podcast in whatever form of the seven or eight of us that exist at this point, too. But last but not least, John Morant, supposedly somebody made the connection that he ended up having this chat GPT app that's a AI app or whatever the hell mm-hmm. it is. And his mm-hmm. apology was, I know I've disappointed a lot of people who have supported me. This is a journey. Oh, yeah. There is a more work to do. My words may not mean much right now, but I take full accountability for my actions. 
I'm committed to continuing to work on myself. And that's the end of the apology. But on that chat, that chat app, copy and paste exactly what he said when you say make an apology paragraph that you got <laughs> That's where he came up with it. So, John Morant, I mean, Riggs. He, like, I'm just trying to, like, just trying to figure out how I can word this. And I don't care. I'm going to break the fourth wall right now. As an African-American from birth at – I don't give a fuck. From birth, there is a target on us from birth. And it's rather you're a professional athlete or you're a fucking drug dealer. Now, blue-collar man is also there as well. But nine times out of ten, if you grow up in bad neighborhoods, you're a drug dealer. I'm not a drug dealer, by the way, everybody. Or a professional athlete. What about rapper? What about rapper? Yeah, rapper too. So basically, you got those stereotypical forms. So he becomes a basketball player. Great. Fantastic. You have little boys that look up to you. You have a community that looks up to you. You have generations of your family, other people's family, who try to get away from perpetuating stereotypes. You and here we are rooting. Well, and exactly. And here we are rooting for you that you've made it. And then you're out here on social media. And first of all, the guy that recorded you is not your friend because you, you're hanging out with rats. Because if I was your friend and you do that type of stuff, you're a professional athlete. Okay. I don't want you to get any type of negativity. I'm going to keep this between us because, no, we live in a generation where people feel like they're fucking superheroes on social media and they want to brag and get some type of clout from that. As an, I'm not going to tell another man what to do with his money. It's not my business to put my hand in his pocket or walk through his front door, which means it's none of my business to ask how much money he makes or ask another man for money or to walk in his house, basically mind my own business. But when you put it out there on social media... I'm going to be honest with you right now. There's some, there's people in the African-American community that are very, very, very disappointed. And there's words I'm not going to use in, in my community right now. But he he's, oh, my God, he it's not pretty. There's some and there's some people out here that applaud that in my community. And that's also stupid and asinine. Do better. Do fucking better. Seriously. There's people out there like I, I just d- do better, do better. I I, I don't want to get too too deep into it, but he's a dumbass and he needs to do better. Do so better. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I tried this today. It didn't. You have out. little kids that look up to you that live in ghetto ass neighborhoods, and now they're seeing you possibly their favorite basketball player out here doing this. So it's okay. I'm a little boy, and I grow up, and I grow up watching John Morant, and I'm eight years old, twelve years old, living in the ghetto of whatever part of the United States. And I'm trying not to perpetuate stereotypes and be a fucking thug with a gun or whatever. So now I see him doing that. Well, fuck, he's doing it. So now I do it. If he was going to do that on his own accord, I guarantee there are NBA players that do that shit. But they're smart enough and the people in their camp, their clique, their friends list, whatever, are smart enough not to get their friend caught up in bullshit like that. You are who you hang out with. You hang out with trash, you're fucking trash. Period. I mean, on that sorry, note, I think, sorry, no, yeah, yeah, that just Ele- that good. was very eloquently said. I couldn't have said it better myself. And you are the, you know, you're the you're the guy for that. So, and I mean, that was Dave Chappelle. They never, they should have never gave you money. And some people could fill in the blank on that. <laughs> so I'll let you guys know this one too. And I wish it worked out today's show. I my tried heart's beating. Schedules <laughs> schedules didn't work out. But I tried to get somebody that was a Grizzlies fan that could give their thoughts on the inside of John Moran. But work schedules didn't work out. But stay tuned because the next show we end up doing, my goal on a Monday, hopefully, is to have this individual that's a Grizzlies fan on the show to talk about John Morant. Because if you're a fan of that team, I'd love to know your insight on the Grizzlies and on John Morant for his actions outside. Because it's one of two ways. It's either similar to Riggs, like he ended up saying, or it's similar to the frustration of any any and any NBA fan that's out there because you don't want you're getting paid millions of dollars. Look what Kwame Brown ended up saying last week. That was the best thing. He ended up saying and calling you out for being an idiot and a dumbass and he called you out for five minutes straight. There's no other way around it. And that's a man that was a number one, number two overall draft pick, just like you were. And he has an idea of what you're living with. And he ended up calling you out for what it was. 
It's frustrating to say the least, but something in the plans for the We Like Sports podcast ahead. But we've ran out of time tonight, guys. We Like Sports podcast. It was like, oh, it's 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 like, a, did I watch a video of an NBA player or did my cousin send me a fucking video? Yeah, like a Snapchat almost, for example. Did, right. Did they, no, did legit. He- no, legit. No, le- no, that's 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 a, that, that's legit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what the hell is this? Oh, I'm not going to name said so cousin, but still, you know oh, what I'm saying? Okay. Like, it's, just, it's like, come the hell on. Like, yeah, that I understand where you're coming from now, but say the least Tuesday, 8 a.m. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all podcasting platforms. We like sports podcast. Listen to us. Tell your friends, share, leave us a review. Leave us a subscription on YouTube as well. Check us out again. We like sports PC.com. We like sports PC on Twitter for rigs. Social media, Facebook, he's on there. Find him if you want. Twitter, he doesn't use it that often. He's going to end up probably getting in touch with Stephen R. at some point. And that's Stephen, Stephen R., Hill. yeah. Stephen R., he's upset at the moment over the, the loss of Jim Brown. He was telling me how, how he was at a game. And he got on Jim Brown back, and Jim Brown ran about 45 yards. He'll explain that <laughs> sometime this week on the social media or so. But, yeah, he, he, he he's, he's, he's trumped up about it. That's what he told me. Understandable. So that's for Riggs. Stephen R., you're going to hear from him soon. Stay tuned to social media. At Ed in Columbus, at underscore, Ed underscore in underscore Columbus. Make sure to check him out on the WeLikeSportsPC.com website. Great articles, all the editorials that you could think of. And for me, at Peyton Vince. We'll see you guys soon. Like I said, stay tuned to our social media. We will have an episode soon. Maybe just not this next Monday because it is Memorial Day after all. So happy Memorial Day. Be safe. Enjoy your holiday. Warmer weather is around the corner. Enjoy it. We'll see you guys soon. Be safe, everybody. Thank you.